0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 51 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Now this is of course a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, uh, my name is Jordan. You can also call me Sir Dr. JM. You can follow me on all socials at sirdrjm. If you'd like, and especially, you can engage with me on Twitter, uh, at Sir D R J M. Reach out to me there. I'd love to interact with you if you have questions, topics, questions, whatever. I already said questions, but, you know, I'll say it again. Uh, anything you want me to talk about on the show, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter. That's the best and easiest way to reach me. I just adjusted my mic, so hopefully uh it's not super loud anymore i think the first for the first 30 seconds of the podcast it seemed like the levels were all over the place so hopefully that's a little better anyways you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple podcast google podcast etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends all that fun stuff and if you do leave me a review i will happily read it on the air on the next episode now before i get into the show it's time For a life update. Breaking news. Life update in the life of Jordan. Sir Dr. JM. That's me. Um, I have mentioned on at least one previous episode that I was moving, taking vacations, some fun stuff like that. Um, Now, I am very much in the throes of that right now. Uh, Last week, I believe I did not post an episode for the simple fact of... I didn't have internet at my house uh, and although I do have, you know, a couple places I can bounce back and forth between, uh, I had all my recording stuff packed up and all sorts of stuff like that. So it was just a little bit of a hassle and not to mention I uh, was a little behind on packing, so I needed to take some time there and get all that in order as I'm moving to a new city entirely. It's not just—it's uh, not like I'm just moving down the block or to another community in the same town. So anyways, uh, my life has been quite chaotic between selling a house, buying a house, packing up a house, moving a house to another city, and then I'm actually taking off for about a week's, of va- a week's worth of vacation as well. So... Um, anyways, needless to say, I've been a little bit busy, so I did put out a tweet the other day saying I was going to have to cancel last week's episode and this coming week's episode. Obviously, if you're listening to this, look at that. I managed to find some time. I managed to, uh, keep some of my equipment out. Uh, I apologize if the audio quality is not as good as it normally is. I'm using a headset for recording this episode as opposed to my usual microphone, because that is at the new house, and that is not where I am right this very moment. So, Um, I apologize for the audio quality if it's not great, but please bear with me as you're lucky to be getting this episode anyways. And I'm actually very excited that I was able to pull this together, find a couple hours to record, get the stories together for this week's episode and everything. Um, so... Anyways, I digress. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that I had this opportunity and that I managed to uh, find some time in my sketch to to drop this episode. Now, I'm going to pause for a sec. I'm going to check the audio just to make sure it is okay, and I'll be right back. We are back and in action and everything is looking good. I'm glad I adjusted the mic like I did at the beginning of the show there because, whoo, baby, it was not looking good on the uh, the levels there. So, anyways, I digress. Uh, This episode, we're going to call your bonus episode. It is episode 51. It will be a full episode. However, I'm going to post it today because, as of recording, I am actually in the middle of watching our Sunday, August 15th. Uh, What is this, the Countdown Cup? Is that where we are right now? Yes, we're going with that. The Countdown Cup qualifiers, uh, I did just finish watching the Toronto Defiant beat the Paris Eternal in a very exciting back-and-forth match. Uh, Toronto will now take on the Atlanta Reign, and that will happen after the match that is currently ongoing, which is seeing the Dallas Fuel take on the San Francisco Shock in what will also be a very exciting match. So... Um, Anyways, my point is, I'm going to post this today, given, actually, I'll probably post it tomorrow, I'll schedule it for tomorrow morning post, for the simple fact of the games are ongoing. So, I'm not going to be able to report on all of the matches here, um, and, and everything that happens, however, depending on how long I record for, depending on how long the Dallas versus San Francisco game runs... I may be able to talk a tiny, tiny bit. I've literally got it on on the iPad in front of me as I record. Just uh, mute it. But I may be able to talk a tiny bit about the Atlanta-Toronto game, which would be exciting. However, if I do get that chance, it'll probably be only the very first couple of minutes. I don't expect the Dallas Fuel uh, versus San Francisco Shock game to be necessarily a quick one. Uh, I would expect both of those teams to put up quite the fight, so this match will will probably go go for a little bit here so I'll be surprised honestly if this one is over before I'm done recording even. Anyways, uh, that's the life update, I've been packing, I've been getting ready to move as well as getting ready to leave for a week, Um, I've got all my stuff in boxes, it's mostly at the new house now but some of it's not and I'm actually at the old house now in the old city because I will be like I say uh, hitting a jet to take off for a little bit there. So I'm all over the place, bear with me. Uh, Once again, I know last week's episode I mentioned I was recording on a different computer, so I didn't have my transitions, I did try and download them ahead of time, and I actually just wasn't able to. Um, The the site that I get them from was not working, so that was a fun surprise. I am on that same computer again, so yet again, no transitions, so, you know, just bear with me here, we're all along for the ride, right? And I mean, if you're one of the, the few people listening to this, well then, you know, Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for bearing with us through through the difficulties and the, we'll call them growing pains, even though I don't think there's really been any growth, but I digress. Now, I think that's all I've got to say. I know I've been rambling for a good six and a half, seven minutes here. So without further ado, let's dive on in. All right. Now, as that's where my transition normally would have been, but, uh, you know, uh, now as with other episodes where I have missed a week, I'm not going to cover the full two weeks worth of news, because that would be a lot, um, and I ultimately don't want this episode to be much longer than an hour. Usually usually I shoot for an hour to an hour and 15, kind of dealio. Uh, so let's get on into the news from this past week. I may touch on a few stories that happened uh, in the week prior, just because they're so- somewhat related to uh, to some stories I'll talk about this week, but let's get on in there. So, the first news story I have here uh, comes from a website that I have never read from before. And if I'm being honest, I am not interested in this website at all. And I would really question you if you find this website in your uh, recent browser history for any reason other than reporting on esports or something like that. This comes from Insurance Business Mag. Com. That's right, insurancebusinessmag.com. This is an article by Ryan Smith posted on August 10th, which reads, State Farm Reconsiders Major Gaming League Sponsorship. State Farm is stepping back to reassess its sponsorship of a professional video game league following claims of sexual harassment and discrimination at game developer Activision Blizzard. The insurer made the decision to review its sponsorship of Activision Blizzard's Overwatch League after California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing filed a lawsuit against the company last month, according to a report by Forbes. The suit claimed that the company had a, quote, frat boy culture and alleged Sexual harassment and discrimination. State Farm told the Washington Post that it is, quote, reevaluating our limited partnership, uh, sorry, our limited relationship with the Overwatch League, end quote. The insurer also asked that the league not run State Farm ads during last weekend's matches. Activision Blizzard told investors last week it may face, quote, prolonged periods of adverse publicity, end quote, due to the lawsuit. Since the suit was filed, several reports have emerged of alleged main, uh, mistreatment of the game developers' female employees, Forbes reported. Many Activision Blizzard employees recently staged a walkout and demanded that the company improve conditions for women and other marginalized employees. The lawsuit also led to outsider of led to the out, ouster. Hmm, interesting. The lawsuit also led to the ouster of Blizzard president J. Allen Brack. According to the suit, Alex Afras- Afrasiabi the former senior creative director of Blizzard flagship World of Warcraft was, quote, permitted to engage in blatant sexual harassment with little to no repercussions, end quote. The suit says that Brack gave Aphra nothing more than, quote, a slap on the wrist for the alleged harassment. So there you go. Obviously, this has been the hot-button topic of the past. Uh, I mean, I know I talked about it in my episode two weeks ago. I know the week before that was the episode where I did I purposely skipped a week because I did not want to um give blizzard more attention or or whatever than they than they already get um, so i'd say this has been ongoing for at least a month if not a month and a half at this point uh, but we are now seeing some of the major repercussions of that uh, lawsuit from the california department of fair employment and housing that was mentioned in this article um, one article or one story that this article didn't touch on uh, but did happen in that week there where i didn't have an episode uh, was the fact that Coca-Cola has also supposedly uh, asked for a hold on their promotions, um, as well as, I believe, T-Mobile, another one of the sort of major spark- major partnerships uh, with the Overwatch League. So, um, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, this, this is where there is serious potential for Activision Blizzard to feel the wrath. You know, everyone says uh, when it comes to these type of issues... Um, Everyone says, you know, vote with your wallet. Don't, you know, if if you don't want to support Activision Blizzard, don't buy their games. Well, really, you know, sixty to ninety dollars, depending on where you are regionally, uh, on a game purchase, is a drop in the hat for a company of Activision Blizzard size. There's there's no there's realistically there's no world where. Everyone stops paying that. Every single gamer of the millions and millions of gamers out there stop paying that, and suddenly Activision f- sees a halt in their sales. That's just not realistic because, you know, a ton of people aren't, aren't tuned into the, uh, the gamer sphere like, like those of you who may be listening to this podcast and like myself. Um, but the fact of the matter is, with such a public lawsuit like Activision Blizzard is now seeing... Uh, You then see other brands that are associated to them, the State Farms, the uh, T-Mobiles, the uh, uh, Coca-Colas, you see them taking note and saying, well, if we associate with these guys and they have a poor image in the public eye, that reflects poorly on us, and that's why they're naturally kind of withdrawing. Now, what's kind of interesting is that, uh, you know, these, these companies aren't pulling right out. Um, every report I've read, wh- whether it be T Mobile, Coca Cola, State Farm, whoever, they're all kind of air quotes reevaluating or withdrawing for now. Um, it doesn't seem like anyone is making any permanent decisions, which, fair enough, um, you know, in the business world, no, no decisions like this happen overnight. Um, however, they would have had to act pretty quickly to make the call to, you know, reach out to whoever they're their relationship manager, their contact is at Blizzard or Activision and say, look, we want to put a hold on this stuff. Um, They also obviously would have had to uh, arrange that with production on the Activision Blizzard side and have them say, okay, look, we can't run any of these ads. If we do, we could be in some serious hot water with these companies that have told us not to do that. So anyways, um, the point is, in my mind, this is where Activision Blizzard sees the real pain. Or sees the real repercussions of their actions. Um, you know, obviously, we know their stock prices have been have been dropping. Um, I wouldn't say significantly, but they have been dropping. Um, so that that's another area, and and these kind of partnerships, you know, going bye-bye or falling to the wayside, is only going to affect that further. Is only going to drop their stock prices uh, even more. So, so ultimately, you know, from one mega corporation. Good job on you guys for reconsidering your partnership at the same time. Uh, you know, there's... Oh, bumped the mic. Sorry about that. There's more to be done. And uh, we will wait. We will watch. We will see what happens in the coming months um, with respect to the Activision Blizzard uh, uh, working conditions and everything in the lawsuit. So next story. This one is a bit of a juicy one. So I'm going to read the whole dang thing. Um... And yeah, you'll see once I get in there, there's a reason I picked this story and not a story that is referenced in here. However, I do want to give a shout out because it was, you know, I mean, I like the guy who wrote the article and everything. There was an article from GG Recon uh, just the other day, and I believe it was written by Yiska, and that's correct. It was posted on August 11th, um, and it was about the state of the Overwatch League and what's going to happen in the next season. So not this current one, but the next one. Now the article I'm going to read is actually sort of in response to that, and it does directly reference that. So, just to set up some context around everything, um, I wanted to get that out of the way because again, I do like Yiska a lot, the guy who wrote the original uh, GG Recon article. The headline may have been a little bit clickbaity, a little bit, uh, a little bit misleading, but ultimately the uh, the sentiment was there. So, this article is from DottySports.com. This is a good one, another big one by Jacob Wolf and Liz Richardson. And it reads posted on August eleventh, sources. OWL assesses potential season delay, interim events, among other options for 2022 amid Overwatch 2 release uncertainty. The byline is an August eleventh report suggested that a quote year-long hiatus was coming, but the Overwatch League is yet to be yet to determine its plans for 2022. Buckle up, people, because this is a long one. The Overwatch League is assessing its options for 2022, including a potential extended off-season following the 2021 season and interim events that could include non-season-based tournaments amid the uncertainty of the release calendar for Overwatch 2. Sources present and familiar with the discussions told.esports. These discussions come amid internal rumors that Overwatch 2 may be delayed until late 2022 or 2023, as well as concerns among League officials and team owners of waning interest in the existing game and low returns on investment as long as the League continues to compete on the current version of Overwatch, sources said. Earlier this month, a tweet from Overwatch leaker Metro suggested that a sequel may be delayed until 2023. A delay that could see the 2022 season not start until Q3 or Q4 2022 was first reported by GG Recon earlier today. Overwatch League Vice President John Specter rebutted the GG Recon report, writing in a tweet today that the League has not determined its start date or plans for 2022 and does quote, not plan to make, to take a year-long hiatus, end quote. They then have the tweet embedded from John Spector, which is actually a quote tweet of the article from GG Recon. So the original tweet was, report Overwatch League to go on year-long hiatus before Season 5. Read more, and then a link to GG Recon's article by Yiska. And then John Spector quote tweeted that and said, It's really not practical to respond to every rumor about our future plans, but in this case, this story is inaccurate. We have not set nor communicated dates about our 2022 season yet, but do not plan to take a year-long hiatus in any scenario we are currently considering. The article continues. In the short term, league and team officials are are assessing options that could include a shorter season and a series of tournaments organized either first first party by Activision Blizzard Esports or officially licensed by the League, according to its sources. If Overwatch 2 moves into beta in 2022, it's also possible that a series of beta events could be played by Overwatch League teams. Specific plans for the Overwatch League next year have not been determined and will likely not be finalized until closer to the conclusion of the current season, which ends on September 25th, sources said. What is clear is that there's a resounding sentiment from some League officials and team ownerships not to run another entire season of Overwatch's current iteration. What's unclear is what that means for the League's players, as concerns mount around job security if the League's break is longer than anticipated, sources said. For years, the Overwatch League and its sister, the Call of Duty League, have drawn criticism from the esports industry due to their high franchise fees, which, in the case of the former, started at $20 million for its inaugural season and sold for more than $30 million in Season 2, according to reports from ESPN. While those reported prices were not publicly addressed, concerns around profitability and costs have privately arisen among team ownership, who now feel more bearish than bullish on the league and its financial prospects. The COVID-19 pandemic escalated those concerns. Certain revenue streams for teams were severed or delayed, and certain esports teams had to apply for government assistance. Eight ownership groups who collectively own 13 Overwatch League and Call of Duty League franchises received payback protection program loans in 2020, according to documents released by the U.S. Department of Treasury and Small Business Administration. Included in those were the owners of the Dallas Fuel New York Excelsior San Francisco Shock and the Paris Eternal. The owners of the Excelsior returned the loan in full after it was granted amid criticism that the loans were meant for non-venture-backed small businesses, a spokesperson told ESPN at the time. Amid pandemic Uh, related financial concerns, Activision Blizzard also allowed teams to defer their annual franchise payments in 2020, according to a September 2020 report from the Washington Post. Over the past several weeks, Activision Blizzard has become the subject of wide games and entertainment industry critique following the filing of a lawsuit by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing accusing the company of rampant sexual abuse and unequal pay for female employees. In the wake of the lawsuit against its associated company, multiple sponsors pulled out of the Overwatch League before August before the August 6th competition weekend. Those included State Farm, IBM, and Kellogg's. Discussions around a 2022 season delay or alteration predate the filing of the litigation and the sponsor withdrawal sources said the overwatch league 2021 grand finals are scheduled for september 25th and are tentatively booked as a fan attended live event at the university of southern california's galen center in los angeles traditionally the league's offseason lasts from the end date of the grand finals to late winter or spring of the next year the 2021 season still recovering from the lingering scheduling effects of covid 19 was shortened and began in april So, an interesting article with uh, lots to it uh, in response to another interesting article (laughs) from GG Recon. Um, But mostly I just wanted to bring it up as it discusses, obviously, the next season of the Overwatch League and how it relates to Overwatch 2, which right now... Uh, as we all know, we are all just waiting for Overwatch 2 news, for something real uh, in terms of a release date, so that we can finally put to bed some of this speculation and some of these rumors and some of these leaks and some of these sources you know, that claim all these different things. Um, but again, you know, right now, given everything Activision Blizzard is going through, uh, they're not going to be announcing anything anytime soon. Uh, they obviously have some, some other issues to sort out, now I know BlizzCon is often in the November time period as well. Um, I don't suspect that will be happening this year, especially uh, again given everything that's going on. So ultimately, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think this is going to be kind of the uh, kind of the state of the union for now. Is we're going to get these articles for a while that just speculate, uh, you know, claim they have sources or or have heard rumors of the ongoings and the discussions that are happening. And it it very well may be that Yiska does have, in fact, legitimate sources that did hear rumblings of things taking a year-long break. Um, You know, John Spector responding to that is in a lot of ways uh, not necessarily indicative of, of the truth. I'm sure he's not lying. He may be, you know, telling the truth and the fact that They have not yet set or communicated dates about their 2022 season that said they may have been talking about it and somebody let it out you know somebody may have floated the idea of what if we take a year off and we have these sort of interim uh tournaments and things like that even if you know maybe the league doesn't necessarily arrange them but the league sanctions them and licenses someone else or something like that endorses someone else to run them um you know that kind of thing so anyways something to keep an eye on something to keep in the back of your mind as the year progresses and hopefully we get more information about overwatch 2 in the future our next article is a bit more fun we're going to go over to actually we're going to stick with esports.com another article article by liz richardson posted on August 11th, which reads, Previous Overwatch League MVP Championship skins available for a short time. For 200 tokens apiece, these vaulted skins can be yours. New fans can finally acquire some of the Overwatch League's best legendary skins from previous years, thanks to a new event that drags them out of the, quote, vault. From August 11th to 24th, four skins from the League's past will be available for fans to purchase. Each skin will cost 200 Overwatch League tokens. These include previous championship skins, as well as the League's first MVP skin, which hasn't been available for almost three years. They've then got the tweet embedded from the Overwatch League, with a video announcing uh, what was going on here, and it reads, Take a trip down memory lane for a limited time, we're unlocking the Overwatch League vault and re-releasing some championship and MVP skins available now. And then they've then then got a link. And in this video, they show off the legendary skin Goat Brigitte or Brigitte. They've got the Doomfist championship legendary skin Thunder, which was for the uh, San Francisco Shock. They've got the Winston championship legendary skin Flying Ace, which was, of course, for the London Spitfire. And they've also got the... 2018 MVP Jonak Legendary skin, which I believe is called uh, Zen Nakji. Um, so those are the four skins being released. Uh, the first one, sorry, is is the Brigitte uh, Goat skin, which basically commemorates the wonderful meta that that everyone was just a huge fan of. Now going back into the article, it continues: At the top of everyone's shopping list is the Zen Nakji skin, created in honor of 2018 MVP Flex support Jonak. The skin was unveiled in 2019 and mixes the New York Excelsiors color theme with a slightly terrifying octopus motif. Jonak has a Mac- massive octopus tattoo, and his skin incorporates that image into what is largely considered one of the best skins in Overwatch history. Two championship skins will also be pulled out of the vault. After winning the inaugural season championship, the London Spitfire received the legendary flying ace. Winston skin. This skin decks out everyone's favorite scientist in retro flying gear splashed with Spitfire colors. The San Francisco Shock 2019 and 2020 season champions. Wow, that was, that was a bit of a mouthful. Received the Thunder Doomfist skin after their 2019 win. Doomfist is outfitted in attire that reflects the Bay Area's penchant for earthquakes and the shock's dominance over the League. To round things out, Brigitte's legendary Goat skin will be available. During the 2019 season, a single meta dominated the Overwatch League, and this skin celebrates the phenomenon that was Goats. Whether it was one of your favorites or one of your worst nightmares, the skin is at least extremely cool. Each skin costs 200 Overwatch League tokens, which can be obtained by watching Overwatch League games with a connected Battle.net account. If you haven't been keeping up, you can purchase 100 skins for five dollars. 100 tokens, sorry, for five dollars. This means the entire set will run you approximately 45 U.S. dollars. So there you go, a bit of a fun one. Um, I'm, I'm actually really quite pleased and surprised with their decision to do this um it definitely does feel a little bit like you know at this point we will be going into you know after this is the fourth season of the overwatch league the next season would be the fifth season it feels a little bit like something they they could have just held off until the fifth season four but again with with all the uncertainty around overwatch two and everything um you know it kind of also feels like a move of let's do it now let's do something to try and keep interest try and keep people engaged even just try to get people to log back in because if if activision blizzard can convince people to simply log in and purchase one of those skins then guess what they have the statistics on the back end to go to sponsors and uh, league partners and and organizations within the league and things like that and say look how well we're doing you know uh we had x number of active logins we had x number of accounts connected we have had x number of people return to the game when realistically people will log back in simply to purchase the skins and then they may not play again for who knows how long so anyways i digress um i'm a fan of this as someone who plays overwatch semi-regularly uh i definitely enjoy the fact uh that they are kind of celebrating their history in this way um and that's the side of me that says well why Why wouldn't they wait until the fifth year to celebrate the history, right? Once you, once you kind of, you know, turn five, it's kind of a big deal, but, but I digress. Um, It's a fun thing to do now and something that's nice, given the lack of new content we are getting. So moving on from there, we're going to actually, you know what, we're going to stick with .esports.com. Another article by Liz Richardson posted on August 11th, which reads Florida Mayhem hires streamer Avast as associate producer. In the search for more content to spice up the Overwatch League, the Florida Mayhem has hired popular streamer and former player Connor Avast Prince as its new associate producer. Avast was a high-ranking Team Fortress 2 player who moved into Overwatch during the game's infancy as an eSport. He was a part of the Boston Uprising during the League's inaugural season, but saw little playtime. After he was dropped from the Uprising, he found his place creating content for the Overwatch community. Boasting nearly 34,000 Twitch followers, Vast regularly hosts companion streams for Overwatch League games and invites various personalities to react to those games alongside him. He's also a regular guest on the Plat Chat podcast hosted by Caster John Sideshow Wilkinson and analyst Jonathan Reinforce Larson. Over the past 24 hours, the Mayhem social media team led Twitter followers on an ARG-style clue chase embedding hints in a picture that linked to various images and codes. Included in the images was a Lucio silhouette and various references to a main support narrowing down the field of candidates. While the clues were vague, many fans are accurately guessed that the 13A reference was to Avast's jersey number during his time in the league. As an associate producer, Avast will likely... Have a heavy hand in producing content for the Florida Mayhem. They're ranked tenth in the league's overall standings, uh, season standings, with a five and nine record. They'll be fighting it out for a postseason spot over the next two weeks of the countdown. So yay, congrats to a la- a- a last wow, Avast. Um, I was excited to see this one as a fan of the Florida mayhem of recent, despite their record. And also uh, having gotten to know Avast a little bit um, via the, 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 what the heck is it called, uh, Plat Chat podcast that uh, Liz mentioned in her article there. Um, they brought Avast into kind of a uh, guest, uh, largely filling in for uh, Bren as he took some time off from the uh, Plat Chat podcast. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't quite sure what to think about him. He's, he's got some, he's got some thoughts and opinions, that's for sure. But he certainly seemed to know the game and know the league pretty well. Um, and then, like I say, over, over the past, honestly, a few months, it feels like of, of him being on, on Plat I've actually grown to like him quite a bit. Um, and also he, uh, he highly rated the Toronto Defiant and both, and the Florida Mayhem as well, going into, uh, this, this Overwatch League season. So, uh, obviously those things didn't necessarily pan out too well for him. But, hey, uh, you know, if you're a fan of what I'm a fan of, then I'm more inclined to like you immediately. So, there you go. Um, Happy to see him working with the Florida Mayhem now. Moving on from there, uh, this next article I actually find to be quite interesting um, and kind of a a good thing that honestly I wouldn't have known uh, had I not uh, heard... I can't remember who it was. I heard someone comment on it and then I kind of looked into it a little bit more. So, uh, hopefully I can bring this one to light for, for some of you out there. Next article is an article by Ethan Gatch, posted on Thursday, what the heck was Thursday, uh, August 12th, uh, over on Kotaku.com, and it re- reads, Overwatch League casters stop saying McCree's name. McCree is an Overwatch, is Overwatch's iconic gunslinger, but some casters commentating over official competitions are now avoiding saying his name. The shift comes after Jesse McCree, the real-life Blizzard employee who the character is named after, was pictured in a now infamous quote Cosby suite that took place at BlizzCon 2013. Over the weekend, a fan spotted Overwatch League casters Brennan. Uh, sorry, Bren and Sideshow, appearing to avoid saying McCree's name during matches. Instead of saying McCree, they referred to him as The Cowboy, as reported by Dexerto. Hook and Wilkinson both went on to be went on to like the tweet noticing the change, and fellow Overwatch caster Mitch Uber-Leslie tweeted earlier this week that he thought this was a good idea. A spokesperson for Blizzard Esports told Kotaku it was not involved in the caster's decision. Quote, I can confirm that this was in no way a directive from the Overwatch League or Blizzard, they said. Hook and Wilkinson did not immediately respond to request for comment. They then have an update from 10pm ET on the 12th, which says, quote, I can comfortably say that it was a personal decision from Josh and I, Hook told kotaku in an email they then got a uh, image of jesse mccree uh embedded in the article there he was lead game designer on diablo three nope four i should say but it's definitely a change some fans have been clamoring for originally mentioned in california's lawsuit against activision blizzard alleging widespread sexual harassment and discrimination a recent report by kotaku revealed the cosby suite at blizzcon 2013 to be an actual room An informal networking hotspot, it included several Blizzard employees in a booze-filled hotel room posing with a giant portrait of the comedian and in one picture huddled around the then World of Warcraft designer Alex Afro... Afrosiabi. Afrasiabi is accused in the California lawsuit of repeatedly sexually harassing female co-workers and others, and sources have told Kotaku that his behavior was an open secret. Jesse McCree, a longtime Blizzard developer, was one of the people posing in the 2013 Cosby suite. He also reportedly he was also reportedly a part of the Cosby crew chat group in which Afrosiabi wrote, wrote he planned to marry women coming up to the Cosby suite. McCree responded you misspelled F-U-C-K as first reported by Kotaku, McCree and two other Blizzard developers were officially—sorry, were officially let go from the company yesterday. Though Activision Blizzard did not confirm if the the reason for the departures, two sources told Kotaku that no reason was provided when teams were told internally either. McCree's departure, however, has now only added fuel to fans' calls for the Overwatch league, for the Overwatch character named after him to be given a new one. The changes might require recording new dialogue for when a character is mentioned in-game, if not the ongoing development of Overwatch 2. After Siabi, whom Activision Blizzard confirmed was terminated for his conduct earlier last year, has only recently had references to his name scrubbed from World of Warcraft as a part of an effort to rebuild trust with fans. So, anyways, uh, this was an exciting one, and 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 a nice story to hear, um, especially given that it kind of just started with with Brennan Sideshow, um, you know, stopping saying his name, making a conscious effort not to say. Uh, the cowboys name as as the article points out there and uh great to see that other casters are are hopping on the train as well um particularly with with uber jumping on board so hopefully we see this across more more char- uh, more characters across more uh, uh casters as well and and more people in the community and around the league um but ultimately um the the main goal in my mind would be to get this character renamed in in some way um, you know, in an official capacity so that it's not even a concern and essentially, uh, wiping him, wiping this, this despicable human from the face of the planet. There you go. Next article. That's, that's my opinion on that. Uh, next article takes us over to dexerto.com with an article by Callum Patterson posted on August 13th. Now this one, um, this is actually not directly about the Overwatch League, it's actually in fact about the uh, CDL, the Call of Duty League, but I wanted to touch on it because it obviously touches on a number of things we've already discussed. Astro Gaming and US Army vanish as CDL sponsors amid Activision Blizzard lawsuit. The Call of Duty League seems to have lost two more of its highest profile sponsors, Astro Gaming and the US Army. This follows the loss of other CDL and OWL partners suspected to be caused by the fallout over the Activision Blizzard discrimination lawsuit. You know what? I can probably stop it right there. Um, (laughs) That's, that's basically the extent of the article. They, they do talk about, um, you know, Astro Gaming logo had disappeared from the CDL website. Uh, Astro was the presenting sponsor of the MVP award, um, as well as things like um, the, the branding has been removed from the website entirely. Then they've also got a snippet here on the US Army, where as for the US Army, uh, whose advertisements have felt omnipresent to CDL viewers, removal from the partnership section has been noticed. This leaves Zenny, Scuff, Gamefuel, and USAA as the lone remaining CDL sponsors. And then they also touch on the fact that a similar purge has taken place on the owl side of things. Uh, companies like Pringles, IBM, State Farm, all disappearing. So, and then I know the other article I talked about earlier uh, talked about Kellogg's also. Um, and I know I mentioned T-Mobile and Coca-Cola as well. So, anyways, more fallout from the Activision Blizzard lawsuit, uh, discrimination harassment lawsuit that that we see going on, um, and ultimately. It just keeps getting worse and worse, especially for these franchise leagues with uh, CDL as well as the Overwatch League, Um, which honestly, like, I mean, these, these are the two leagues that I follow the most closely in, in terms of, um, in terms of esports today. So it really, this could have a devastating impact on the future of both of these leagues. Um, you know, I would love to see these leagues continue, uh, especially because these, these, games are both games that i love um call of duty in a lot of ways is what really kind of solidified me in in air quotes as a as a bit of a hardcore gamer if you will so i ultimately really do want to see these leagues continue to succeed and i want to see them grow and i want to see the games develop and change and and players come and players go and and honestly i would love to work with with one or both of these leagues um you know, as, as a career and everything, but that's obviously a a bit of a pipe dream. Um, especially with everything going on, um, it definitely leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth and really does make you question if, uh, that's actually something that you want. So anyways, I digress. Let's move on to our final news story of the week. Uh, an exciting one that happened just the other day. We're now moving on to August 13th. So Friday, just two days ago with an article from dotiesports.com by Ethan Garcia and it reads Fleda Sparkle Among MVP Candidates for 2021 Overwatch League Season. This year's list of MVP candidates continues the raging battle between the Fuel and Dragons. The Overwatch League's 2021 season is quickly coming to a close, meaning it's time to place votes for the player who shined the most this year. Due to how competitive the Overwatch League has been in 2021, this year's list of MVP candidates consists of players from teams all across the standings, highlighting those who brought the most competition to the tournaments throughout the season. Yet some teams have received a lot more recognition for their consistency this year, specifically the competing reigns of the Dallas Fuel and the Shanghai Dragons. This year's OWL MVP candidates consist of the following players. Fearless, tank for the Dallas Fuel. Leave, DPS player for the Chengdu Hunters. Hanbin, tank, for, tank player for the Dallas Fuel. Sparkle, DPS for the Dallas Fuel. Fleta, DPS for the Shanghai Dragons. Lip, DPS for the Shanghai Dragons. Iziaki, DPS for the Shanghai Dragons. That's not correct, is it? Hang on a second. Okay, I pulled up his Liquid Liquidpedia page. I was correct, Iziaki is support. I'm not sure why the article lists him as DPS. It must, must be a mistake on their part. Pelican, DPS for the Atlanta Reign. Shu, support for the Los Angeles Gladiators and Profit DPS for the Seoul Dynasty. Fans can vote for their choice of 2021 Overwatch League MVP via the, via the OWL's official website, where they can also easily access each player's stats. In addition, voting is available via Twitter, where players can use hashtag OWLMVP and the Twitter handle or battle.net name of the MVP candidate f- for their vote to count. The OWL website says that... Votes from fans will only make up 25% of the overall vote tally, with the other 75% stemming from the general managers, coaches, broadcast talent, and media. The Overwatch League previously said this year's MVP won't receive an exclusive skin commemorating their achievement along the lines of Jonak Sinatra and Fleta. The player who wins this year's MVP will receive a trophy, $50,000, and a jersey patch for their 2022 jersey. Voting is now available on both the official OWL website and Twitter until August 26th. The winner of the 2021's MVP vote will be revealed in September when both the playoffs and grand finals of the 2021 season take place. So there you have it. That is our OWL MVP uh, list for the 2021 season. Now, one thing, a bit of a side note, more breaking news. The uh, San Francisco Shock just beat the Dallas Fuel in a 3-0 fashion, meaning that our next match, which will start in probably, I don't know, 10-ish minutes, will be the Toronto Defiant against the Atlanta Rain to decide who advances to the Countdown Cup in Hawaii. And after that match, we will see the San Francisco Shock take on the Los Angeles Gladiators and again determine who will go to the Countdown Cup in Hawaii. I have to suggest um, that in my mind, it's going to be (laughs) Atlanta-San Francisco, which could be really exciting. Um, It'll be the first tournament San Francisco has qualified for this, this season. It'll be the third tournament, so three out of four tournaments that the Atlanta Reign qualify for, so great job on their part. If the Los Angeles Gladiators or the Toronto Defiant qualify, it will be their first tournament uh, for the whole season. So that would that would also be really exciting. If Toronto can manage to pull out a win against Atlanta, that would probably be a huge upset. Um, if the Los Angeles Gladiators can pull out a win against San Francisco, it'll be less of an upset, uh, but still exciting nonetheless. Now I digress. I'm getting ahead of myself because that's all. That's we'll we'll talk about the games that have already happened and everything. So. I digress. Let's get back to the Overwatch League MVP. Um, I actually kind of thought, you know what, hey, maybe it might be fun to make my pick right now while uh, while I'm recording. So, bear with me here. Uh, That is the last article I wanted to talk about this week. So now I would normally say, let's move on to the OWL recap. Recap, recap, recap. Where we would uh, look at this past week's matches in the Overwatch League. However, before we do that, we're going to move on to the MVP vote. Vote, vote. I really wasn't sure if I was going to do the echo there, but then I, I did. But then I, I kind of waited a little bit long, so it was a little bit weird. But whatever, I digress. Uh, okay, let me pull up the MVP rankings here. And let's let, let's take a look. Okay, so I have got the uh, picks up for the MVP vote. I've loaded up the page for each individual player who is nominated so that I can take a little peeksy peek at their stats and let's see what we're dealing with here. Um, it's some pretty stiff competition, if I do say so myself. So obviously, we're going to start with Fearless. Uh, I literally just went through the list, went one by one, and uh, and clicked the links. So starting with Fearless, let's see here. Hero Comparison, Wrecking Ball. He's played almost three hours on the Wrecking Ball, which is actually quite crazy because, um, you know, the Wrecking Ball play is in a lot of ways, what kind of uh, thwarted the Dallas Fuel in the last tournament cycle when uh, Shanghai went up against Chengdu in the finals. Um, but obviously, Fearless has been putting in the work to try and get better at Wrecking Ball to counter that uh, in, in a lot of ways. So, 63.8% time played on uh, Winston, uh, on Wrecking Ball. Now, actually, I just realized it's filtering by countdown cups. So, if I switch it to regular season, Let's see. There we go. That's better. 18 hours on Winston. That seems more more like it. Okay. 18 hours, 25 minutes on Winston. 5 hours, 30 minutes on Reinhardt. 3 hours, 43 minutes on Wrecking Ball. So you can definitely, and then there's a couple more, but you can definitely see the impact the meta shift um, has had uh, given a shift away from Winston and a shift towards Wrecking Ball. I'm actually surprised to see that much Reinhardt play because I wouldn't have thought that we've seen that much Reinhardt. Uh, But I digress um now what else do we got there we've also got let's see stats overview as all heroes hero damage done average per 10 we've got uh 1.2 million final blows 989 that's crazy man eliminations 3240 deaths 927 so how does this compare see now these stats are going to be wildly different uh for a character or for, for a player who plays um, a different role, right? So I almost wonder if the better way to look at this would be to organize it by uh, role and narrow it down that way. I guess if I'm, if I'm being real, real here, there's a few that I will cancel off pretty quickly here. Um, shoe for the Los Angeles Gladiators. I'm gonna to switch to regular season. See how much play time he's had. He's between Anna, Bap, Zen, Moira, and Lucio. Uh, he has played five hours, so six hours, five hours, two hours, one hour. So, Shu not playing nearly as much as someone like uh, let's see, let's see what Izzyaki has. Izzyaki, we switched to regular season. Yeah, he's got almost nine hours, seven and a half, three and a half, three hours. So Shu not getting nearly as much play time, uh, despite the the difference he may be making on the Los Angeles Gladiators. I think Shu is going to be the first one I cross off. Now, second from that, I think is actually going to be Profit. Um, that is a little bit based on the Seoul Dynasty's performance, given they haven't been a top team all season. Uh, they've definitely been a bit of a question mark. They're definitely competing for that sort of top slot. I think right now, looking at the standings, yeah, they're technically in third right now, um, with Philly, you know, chomping at their heels. But I just don't see that. I don't see profit as as winning out. Um, And now I should also caveat this in, in some cases, I would base this on who is my personal preference. In other cases, I will base this on sort of who do I think is going to win or or deserves to win the most. Um, And that's kind of how I'm approaching this more so now is, is who do I think Will actually win. Now another player that I'm gonna cross off the list early on, um, and this is not because he's not MVP quality and he's not or caliber or whatever, um, is Pelican from the Atlanta Rain. The reason I'm crossing him off the list is because I think he stands a serious chance of winning Rookie of the Year. And I know, typically speaking, although someone can win Rookie of the Year and MVP of the year or MVP uh, as well generally speaking, you don't see that kind of thing in a league. You more often than not see, uh, a different player set nominated for MVP and, um, that rookie of the year. And a, and a big part of that is kind of to, you know, share the wealth, spread the wealth, if you will. Um, so I don't think Pelican's going to win. Although I do think Pelican is a serious candidate for rookie of the year. He might be, he might be my pick for rookie of the year. And like, in terms of DPS player, like looking at his hero picks for, for the whole season. Um, he's played Echo the most. He's played May 2nd, then Tracer, then Pharah, but then going down from there, like Torb, Sombra, Reaper, Doomfist, Brig. Wow, he's played Brig. Soldier, Hanzo, Symmetra, Genji, Junkrat, McCree, uh, Widowmaker, like just even even though many of those are pretty short amounts of play time. Um, I mean, Widow is literally 23 seconds, so he probably sub switched onto it to start a round and And try to get a pick and then he switched off of it pretty quickly but i digress it just kind of shows the versatility of this guy so anyways i'm crossing him off the list for the mvp vote so that leaves us with dallas fuel shanghai dragons and leave from the uh chengdu hunters leave mm, pretty impressive honestly now here i want to do as i mentioned here i'm going to sort these by roll so i'm gonna move oh is that it Okay, okay. So Fearless and Hanbin, the only tanks in the running. Now, Hanbin's play on Diva has been a huge impact, and he's been a huge playmaker for the Dallas Fuel given his impact on Diva. He's actually got 81% of his time played on Diva. That's 22, almost 23 hours played of Diva this season. Um, Second after that is Zarya with four hours. So realistically, he is focusing. He is playing Diva, and Diva, for the most part, um, big time, big time, always versatile, always good, always a good pick for the most part. Pretty, pretty much always a good pick to have on your team. Um, I just don't know if if an off tank in my mind uh, is going to get the MVP. I don't really think he will, uh, again, simply because of the off tank role, you know, the off tank role is, is so sort of strange in a lot of ways. Um, I think typically we would see this award go to DPS or a main tank. Um, it's even, you know, support. It's hard to say that a support or an off tank carries a team, right? And in my mind, if you are the most valuable player on a team, you're probably the one carrying the team in many situations. And I definitely leave is the only question for me. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to pick leave. And that's simply out of, out of, um, ignorance really. I just didn't watch much in terms of Chang this season. Uh, so I can't realistically tell myself that I'm going to read his stats and and understand the impact he's made going to these other players though. Um, I have watched a fair amount of Shanghai because I would even catch, I would even put on their games after they'd already happened just to see, see them play given, you know, knowing what the score was in many of their games. Um, And then Dallas, I mean, Dallas and, and Shanghai have largely been the two main, sort of the two most winning, most winningest teams of this season. So I think it's easy to narrow it down to those two teams. In terms of playmakers, in terms of players that have that carry potential, um, players that, you know, when they pop off, they can turn a team fight or, or save a save a player, which which enables them to really build off that play. Um, I definitely think Fearless fits the bill. I definitely think Sparkle fits the bill. Uh, Fleta and Lip as well. Is Yaki on support? Again, I just find... I find the argument for an MVP player as a support, or a, a support character as an MVP player, a hard one to wrap my head around. Um, although support is integral to keeping up those players, um, you know, keeping up the tanks and the DPS who are, who are those playmakers, I just find it hard for me to convince myself to, to vote for a support player. So, unfortunately, I'm going to cross Izzyaki off the list there as well, despite the guy's amazing play. Now, let's take a look here. And let's see... I know I already talked about Fearless. I'm not crossing him off the list yet. I'm looking at the list for... Sparkle, Fleta, and Lip. And comparing... It's probably easiest to compare those three, because they're all DPS. So Sparkle, hero damage done per 10. He's got 1.6 million. Fleta has... 1.2 million and lip has 1.3 million. So lip and Fleta, it's kind of easy to see how they share the load a little bit more. Um, In terms of sparkle, obviously he's, he's playing with sort of a, a a bit more of a handful of players. So he's maybe, maybe carrying the load a little bit more um, on that team. Does that make him more impressive? Potentially, let's see. Final blows, uh, total final blows. Sparkle has fifteen hundred. Fleda has twelve hundred. Lip has one. 000, sorry, 1,200, 1, 1, and then I guess ten hundred or one thousand. So, eliminations. Sparkle has three, three, two, four. Fleda has two, two, note two, six, seven, two, and then Lip has two, five, four, two. In terms of deaths, Sparkle has one thousand sixty-six. Fleta has 714, and Lip has 602. So Sparkle, although it would seem he's pulling his weight a little bit more on the damage, the final blows, the eliminations, um, his deaths are certainly higher than Fleta and Lip. Um, Man, this is a hard, hard pick, that's for sure. Let's look at their hero comparison. So Sparkle's hero spread, uh, a lot of time on Tracer, a lot of time on Echo, a lot of time on Doomfist. Well, not a lot of time. Probably a lot on Tracer and Echo. Fleta, same thing. Lip, uh, Ash, and Sombra. So different different styles, or different uh, different sort of, uh, what am I trying to say, like roles here with uh, with Hitscan versus not. Um, and, you know, now that I say that, I mean, Sparkle has had to fulfill a number of roles this season. Um, everyone was really concerned when Eggsy announced that he wouldn't actually be playing with the team. And he would be uh, uh, not playing on the team. And, and the Dallas Fuel kind of had to scramble to find a, a substitute for him. And that's kind of where Pine came from. But Pine only just arrived in the U.S. and, and is finally able to play with the team. So we, there's a chance we may not see Pine play at all uh, this season. I would suspect, unless Dallas goes to the Grand Finals and is really, really high up in a game, it's, you know, they're, they're going to win no matter what. I would expect that's when the Dallas Fuel put... Uh, uh, put Pine in, if at all. Kind of a Nevix situation with the San Francisco Shock back in 20... What was that? Not the 2019 season. Yeah, the 2019 season, actually. I think that's when they did that. It was kind of like the uh, the San Francisco Shock knew they were going to win. It was late in the match. They'd already won enough rounds. Um, so they put Sub Nevix in to give him a chance and, and allow him to really be able to say, you know yeah, I I played in the grand final match kind of thing, so... And the more I talk about this, even if the Dallas Fuel have struggled as of late, um, you know, they just got beat by uh, uh, the San Francisco Shock, and therefore they will not be going to the final tournament of the year, the Countdown Cup, I'm leaning towards giving it to Sparkle. Now, I also think DPS is the easy role to give it to because they have the most carry potential. Um... But I think given the situation Dallas was in with XE bowing out uh, right at the start of the season, I think i got to give it to Sparkle. I would love to see Fearless win it as well. Um, You know, at the beginning of the season, everyone joked that Fearless was the, uh, you know, anime protagonist of the league. But I think I've talked myself into Sparkle, honestly. I'm selecting it, and I am locking it in. Submit my vote. There it is. I voted for Sparkle. We'll see what happens. I, I do think that when it comes to the vote overall, um, you know, I obviously trust coaches, casters, analysts, all those guys more than me. Um, and I think they have a better thumb on the, uh, the Eastern region than I do. Um, and, and they definitely know those teams and the players better. So I could see it going to one of the Shanghai players as well. Um, I just personally, obviously am less familiar with them, so I'm less likely to vote for them in that sense. So. Now, now that the MVP pick is done, I think we're going to hop on over and now we're going to take a look at the OWL recap. I'm also going to mention before I do this, I screwed myself over on the pickums again. Forgot to lock in my selections for who goes to the, to the countdown cup tournament. (sighs) So, anyways, it's been a busy time around my household, so I have forgot to get my picks in for a lot of this. So, I'm going to try and be better. I'm going to try and actually get them for the Countdown Cup. Um, That said, I'm also going to probably miss, uh, not get to watch a lot of the Countdown Cup. Um, So, I'll be watching it in the days uh, before the next match. So, there you go now let's move on from there and let's take a look at these this past week's matches now we're actually not looking at the past week's matches we're looking at the past couple days matches so we're going to start on thursday august 12th this was of course the final knockout games before the countdown cup uh qualifiers happened and are currently ongoing so the toronto defiant atlanta reign match is just starting now i'm looking at it they've literally loaded in both teams are in their spawn the countdown is happening and the match will start in a moment but on thursday august 12th we saw the paris eternal take on the toronto defiant for the first time in the weekend that's right the first time because they would play again so let's open that up and take a look here uh so this match happened on thursday it was seemingly it started off a fairly one-sided match um with Toronto ultimately taking uh, Oasis two to one. Then they went to Volskayo, where Toronto took the map three to two. And Toronto and Paris then went to King's Row for a stunning uh, push with Paris ultimately coming out on top, taking it six to five. Um, so that map was actually quite crazy. there was a honestly this whole series was just a ton of back and forth. Um, it, it, to me, it felt a lot like every time you thought Toronto kinda had control of things had had their hands on the reins and had things under control, there would be a sort of really silly mistake, really ser- really silly. Uh, missed play or or used alt or something like that, and it would just allow Paris to to abuse them, um, and and that's how kind of Paris took some of these maps. Moving on from there, Route sixty six went to Paris three to two, and finally in Map five, Toronto came out with the clutch win two to one on Nepal. So uh, exciting game, exciting matchup. Honestly, Paris, uh, I think underperformed in a lot of ways when it comes to the Countdown Cup. Um, they had been looking really really good. They obviously. Uh, started things off with with at least one win. What did what did they win? I'm trying to think who they beat. Uh, they beat the Dallas Fuel. That's correct. Paris started off the Countdown Cup by beating the Dallas Fuel, and everyone thought, "Oh my God, they could go four zero this this tournament cycle." They then got beat by the Boston Uprising. They then got beat by someone I can't remember, or they might have won their second match, but then they just got beat by Toronto again. So. I digress. I think Paris underperformed a little bit in this tournament cycle. Um, but, you know, even still, a, a, a relatively uh, good season for them. I mean, they're sitting at 8-8 eight and eight right now, and that's after today's two losses. Um, so really, in a lot of ways, even 500, especially for a team that people had very low expectations of this season. Um, you know, good for them. Moving on from there, August 12th also saw the Florida Mayhem take on the Houston Outlaws. And now this match, I actually, so I was driving while this match was ongoing, um, but I had it on my phone, just the audio so I could listen in. And honestly, everything I heard said that Florida was not looking awful. I, I had a good feeling about Florida going into this match and all of the commentary I heard uh OG is looking a little bit back to his normal self. Um I was glad to see him back in on the tank roll. Ultimately Houston took the first round on Busan 2 to 0, 2 and O, but then Florida came back took Volskaya 3 to 2. Blizzard World was a tie 3-3, three, three. so still looking pretty good there, looking somewhat evenly matched. And then Route 66 goes to Houston 3 to 2, but there were lots of opportunities for Florida. Um where, where it looked like it was going to swing the way of Florida and Houston just d- managed to draw it out. And the map five on Ilios went to Houston 2-0. Um, I, I thought Florida was doing very well in that match. I really thought they might get a win this weekend out of that match. Um, unfortunately, they didn't. Their playoff hopes are now crushed, uh, especially because they lost their next match in the weekend as well. But um, even still, I, I thought they played uh, fairly well. Better, better than... They have been, at least. I think they're making forward progress again. It really is too bad they had such a stellar start to the season and then such an awful sort of last three quarters of the season. Um, But I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing them more. Uh, you know next season or or whatever now that their season's done <laughs> moving on from there friday august 13th we had the Hangzhou spark take on the chengdu hunters and chengdu came out three to one uh also on friday august 13th the guangzhou charge took on the los angeles valiant and also three and owed them friday august 13th the paris eternal then took on the london spitfire this is this is their other one um and the Paris Eternal managed to 3 in Old London. It was a bit of an interesting one. There was some definitely some build-up behind this one, given it was you know the two European teams, given it, both teams are towards the bottom, uh, given Vancouver actually got a win last weekend that I didn't even get a chance to talk about um, because I didn't record an episode about last weekend. Uh, but I think there was a lot of stock in this match, um, and people thinking, well, is London going to get their first win over over Paris, um, rather than in the bread bowl uh, game of Vancouver versus London. And as it turned out, they did not. Paris, 3 0 London. Moving on from there, Friday, August 13th, San Francisco Shock had a 3-0 win over the Vancouver Titans, unsurprisingly. Friday, August 13th, we also saw the Florida Mayhem in their final match against the Los Angeles Gladiators, and the Glads did manage to take it 3-1. to Moving on from there, Saturday the 14th, the Chengdu Hunters 3-0'd the Los Angeles Valiant. The Guangzhou Charge beat the Hangzhou Spark 3-2. And then, of course, we had our bread bowl game on Saturday, August 14th, where we saw the London Spitfire get their first win of the season against the Vancouver Titans. It was a 3-2 match. I honestly, I wasn't about to tell myself that Vancouver was going to end the season with two wins. But man, (laughs) <laughs> Did I think Vancouver was going to end the season with two wins? I thought what what a what a freaking amazing deal that would have been if, you know, I mean, obviously they lost against the San Francisco Shock, but two weekends in a row Vancouver finally gets a couple wins. Um granted they hadn't played uh they hadn't played the London Spitfire um yet at all this season I don't. Yeah, certainly not. Um so, you know, it was If ever there was a chance for them to win it, this was it. Um, And then they just pulled out that miraculous win against the Boston Uprising last weekend. Um, Boston, who had beaten Paris, who had beaten Dallas, making Vancouver the best team in the league, question mark? Anyways, I digress. Uh, This match went a little something like Lijiang Tower went to London 2-0 and Vancouver. Things were not looking good for them, but Vancouver came back and took Temple of Anubis 2-1 and then Blizzard World 2-1 as well And Vancouver. Looking like they might be going for a win there. Then London comes back on Rialto with a 3-2 win and finally Oasis goes the way of the London Spitfire 2-0. And that's how London gets their first and only win of this season. So honestly, in my mind... It's exciting to see both of these bottom-barrel teams get a win at all, um, even if one of them was against each other. It's kind of, in a lot of ways, more exciting to see that Vancouver beat Boston. Uh, Boston with a record of 7-9 and nine this season. Vancouver now with a record of 1-15. and 15. Um, You know, less surprising to see London beat beat Vancouver. I mean, someone had to win that match, right? So no matter what, one of these teams was not going to end the season with a 0-16 and 16 record. Um but ultimately, good for both teams for, for getting the win, for, you know, having a little taste of that victory, a little taste of success. Um, happy to see that for them. Moving on from there, the Los Angeles Gladiators took on the Houston Outlaws in what I expected to be a more even match, uh, but wound up going 3-0 for the Los Angeles Gladiators, which allowed them to punch their ticket to the qualifiers for the uh, Countdown Cup. And then the San Francisco Shock took on the Toronto Defiant and won that out in a 3-1 fashion. Moving on to there, Sunday, August 15th, the New York Excelsior took on the Chengdu Hunters and lost Chengdu 1, 3-1. And then the Seoul Dynasty beat the Philadelphia Fusion 3-1. So sad for, for Philly fans. Um, I had high hopes that Philly might might make it into the uh, into this tournament or something like that. However, I think with that loss, they are officially out. Moving on from there, today, uh, just moments ago, as I've referenced a couple times, we saw the Paris Eternal take on the Toronto Defiant for a second time, a rematch of the weekend, and the Toronto Defiant once again come out on top with a 3-2 win. Now, I caught uh, most of this game, um, and honestly, it's hard to say... It felt a little bit like Paris kind of whiffed it in the first first couple maps. I mean, Paris took uh, Lijiang Tower 2-1. to Toronto then took Volskaya 1-0. and They took Blizzard World 2-0. to And both Volskaya and Blizzard World seemed really like Paris just kind of lost the plot. Um... Nothing against Toronto, but it seemed a little bit more one-sided. It was good to see Paris come back on Rialto and take it 3-2 to two against Toronto, um, especially given the end there was a huge, really hard-fought push. Um, it really could have gone either way, but ultimately, uh, you know, Paris had the, uh, the spawn advantage there, and they managed to clutch out that map. Um, but at that point, in a lot of ways, it just kind of felt like Paris uh, was pushing back, and they might be out of steam. We finally went to Oasis for map 5. Toronto ends up taking it 2 to 1 with Paris getting that first round and and honestly, Paris looked good. It looked like they might be fired up from their last map win on Rialto. It looked like they might clutch out the win and ultimately qualify to play against uh, Atlanta, but Toronto pulls it together and just manages to to come out with the win. So, we then I'm just going to refresh this page so that I get the score right. I believe it was 3 and 0. But after the Toronto-Paris game, we then got to see the Dallas Fuel take on the San Francisco Shock. So the former champs taking on one of the top contenders of the season. Not that San Francisco's not a top contender. But we saw San Francisco take on Dallas. And San Francisco comes out with the win 3-0 and over the Dallas Fuel. Now what really happened here? Um, I couldn't tell you. San Francisco takes Oasis 2-0, uh, takes Temple of Anubis 4-3, and then Blizzard World 3-1. Uh, you know, Temple of Anubis, seemingly the only map where Dallas really, truly put up a fight and even got lucky and took that, that point A capture on the second time around. But San Francisco looking good. This was the match that I had on while I've been recording. So I didn't get to pay a ton of attention to it. Um, so ultimately I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful that San Francisco will get to go to this tournament, uh, to the countdown cup tournament. I know that in the past I've not been a San Francisco fan. I know this season I decided to be a San Francisco fan, largely in part because I want to see uh, the good old Vancouver Titan of your twilight uh, have a big impact on a grand finals win and, and take, help them take home the championship. Um, I would honestly like to see the Los Angeles Gladiators also qualify, but ultimately San Francisco and LA play after this Toronto and Atlanta game that's ongoing. So that can't happen. I think it's going to wind up being San Francisco against Atlanta. I wish I had freaking locked in my pick but I didn't get a chance, but I digress. Um, I, I want San Francisco to do well. I would, I hesitate to say, I want to see them three feet, the grand finals, but man, what a story that would be. How, how amazing would that be? Especially given the season they've had, you know, not calling qualifying, qualifying for a single tournament yet. um, I think that we will continue to see the the great play that we have seen from the San Francisco Shock when they're doing well. They only have four losses this season. Um, I think we'll continue to see their them play very well. The real question mark now is the Los Angeles Gladiators. Which Los Angeles Gladiators show up? They only have a record one worse than the San Francisco Shock with 11-5. Um, but I haven't been as impressed with the Los Angeles Gladiators, as I am with the San Francisco Shock. When San Francisco's on, when Atlanta's on, when Dallas is on, those three teams I think stomp everyone. Uh, when Los Angeles Gladiators are on, it's usually a three and one, maybe even a three to two. Um, I just don't see them as the same caliber. If I if I if I were breaking up the Western region into tiers, I would put honestly I would probably put Dallas and Atlanta top two. I would put San Francisco three, then uh los angeles gladiators probably houston outlaws washington justice i'm not a fan of washington i don't know if i would rank them next anyways that's we'll call that top five so so there you go so anyways um san francisco won that round three to zero and of course We now are watching the Toronto Defiant take on the Atlanta Reign. Um, The winner of that will go to the Countdown Cup to play in Hawaii. Uh, It looks like Atlanta Reign just took a map off of the Toronto Defiant, so they just won the first control round. The first control map, sorry. So Atlanta is up 1-0. After this match is over, we will see the San Francisco Shock take on the Los Angeles Gladiators to ultimately determine who else goes to Hawaii from the Western Region. Uh, Now, I should mention... Who's going to the tournament in the East? In the East, we have the Chengdu Hunters finishing with a uh, 4-0 stage, whatever you want to call it. So they will be going to Hawaii, along with... Oh! Oh, look at that. I could be... I could be incorrect here, but I'm looking at the standings for the Countdown Cup, and it appears as though Philadelphia, with a 3-1 record, will also be going to Hawaii. The difference maker against the Seoul Dynasty, who also have a 3-1 record... Being their map differential, it looks like they have a plus six and Seoul only has a plus four. So I think it might be Chengdu and Philly going. Well, that's exciting. That's very, very exciting. So some new blood. Honestly, that's kind of, I guess that's what I'm pushing for in a lot of ways. Atlanta, you know, they've made it now. This would be their third... tournament cycle that they've gone tournament final that they've gone to so exciting for them but you know it's also exciting to see new teams make it uh no matter what san francisco or, or los angeles gladiators whoever wins that match th- that will be new blood going chengdu hunters have made it in the past uh this would be their second or third i want to say their third third appearance as well along with the atlanta reign now the two of them fighting obviously for that uh, the grand finals playoff spot Um, but Philadelphia, I really hope we get to see them. I hope my math is correct on that. And I hope we get to see them, uh, taking, taking on the teams in Hawaii as well. Although they, they won't be in Hawaii, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there you have it. Those are our matches for this current weekend, the past couple of days. Uh, lots of exciting matchups, lots of exciting, you know, scores. Honestly, the... A, a, a handful of three and O's. Um I wouldn't say any of them were unexpected, except for maybe the Gladiators versus Houston. Oh, um, well, actually, in Paris versus London, I think people would have thought London might get a map there. But uh, but yeah, uh, and then San Francisco versus Dallas. Okay, there was there were some that were unexpected. Anyways, I digress. That's all I'm going to talk about this episode because I've actually gone long already because of the MVP talk. So, looking at our standings right now in the West, we have the Dallas Fuel. 17 league points, and next to them is the San Francisco Shock and Atlanta Rain, both with 12 league points. So the only change we'll see there is if both of those teams make it to the uh, Countdown Cup in Hawaii, and that will determine ultimately who finishes second and third. Over in the east with the Shanghai Dragons with 20 league points, nobody has a chance of catching them. And then in second place we have the Chengdu Hunters with 13 and the Seoul Dynasty with 12. Um, if Philadelphia can go somewhat deep in the tournament in the Countdown Cup tournament, they could move into third spot above Seoul. If they win, they could actually move into second place, I believe, um, and knock down the Chengdu Hunters, or they could tie them, and it'll be the map differential that separates them. So we'll, we'll have to see how that pans out. But I digress. That is your episode 51 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if this is your first episode, I'm your host, Sir Dr. J M, and you can follow me on all socials. So why not give me a follow on Twitter, on Instagram, on whatever at Sir That's at Sir Doctor J M. Reach out to me on Twitter, interact with me there, send me a DM, whatever, tweet at me, whatever. I want to talk to you. I want your topics. I want your questions. I want your concerns. Uh, I want your reviews of the show. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, uh, tell your friends, all that jazz. Now, this was, of course, episode 51 of One Man Watchpoint. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for listening in. I did not uh, plan anything for episode 50. Um, as I mentioned, I think in my last episode, I have something upcoming, uh, not, not next week. I believe it's the week after, um, so I'm kind of using that as my celebration. Um, I will, I will. I, I'm not going to say anything right now, uh, but I will talk about that probably on my next episode. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, all I will say is, if if you're into Overwatch, if you're into the Overwatch League, or you're into the Vancouver Titans or the Toronto Defiant, um, go check out the Ready Set Pone. Ready Set Pwn podcast. That's Ready Set PWN um, because they are a they are a friend of the show and uh, um, yeah, go check them out. They're they're a good time. Um, this episode is going to post today, August fifteenth. Yes, it's a Sunday, and that's because of the the timely nature of everything I've talked about in this episode. I want it to go out before these matches have finished, so that uh, so that you know the keen observer will understand that I was watching these matches while recording. Um, And then next week I should be able to get an episode out. I'm going to be returning from my vacation on the 23rd. That's Monday, the 23rd. It will be very, very early in the morning. It may be a challenge to get my stuff together for Tuesday august 24th so i don't know if there will be an episode next week i will try my my very best to get an episode um but like i say i'm going to be traveling and then jumping right back into work as soon as i return so that could be a challenge and i also won't be at the new house yet so once again i won't have all my stuff but i digress i'm rambling here uh listen to one man Watchpoint. follow us like us share us subscribe to us send me questions at sir drjm on twitter also follow ready set pone on twitter uh at ReadySetPWN, and follow their podcast, and leave reviews, and share this stuff with all your friends. Let's build up the community, let's be nice to each other, um, and ultimately let's celebrate the games that we love. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you on episode 52.